Hello, everybody, my name is Ramon, and this is Ramon's Gadget Talk for Thursday, 4th of February, 2021. Uh, today, we have obviously plenty of things to talk about. A lot is uh, happening. Uh, we got a lot of phones to talk about. We have more details about the Apple car, which I think is exciting. And at towards the end, uh, we're going to talk about this really cool Bang & Olufsen speaker that has this one thing that smart speakers could suffer from in the future. And yes, sustainability is an issue. So let's get cracking. So uh, the first phone we probably want to talk about is the Realme X7 and X7 Pro. Now, we've been hearing a, a ton about these phones, but uh, today... Uh, the Realme X7 and X7 Pro have launched in India, which is obviously most important, uh, which is a pretty big smartphone market, uh, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of people, there are millions of consumers. There are still a couple of millions who uh, are yet to completely buy, get into smartphones, or are wanting to upgrade from that Samsung A, I don't know what, uh, the Samsung J120 Plus Max something. Uh, I would say that I would kind of, I would feel like there are more people who are wanting to upgrade anyways if you're one of those people who are looking to upgrade and you this and you essentially have uh twenty thousand plus rupees to spend the realme x7 and x7 pro have something for you now first thing first things first i want to kind of kind of note that both phones don't have a qualcomm chipset so that might be a bit of a tricky issue and, and yes it's the thing you know qualcomm chips qualcomm snapdragon chips tend to run faster and kind of last a little longer because of it has proper software support and MediaTek chips are like infamously known for how slow they are but don't fret uh, the MediaTek chips you have here are obviously really good uh, so the Realme X7 features we're talking about the fir we're first talk about the basic uh, Realme X7 uh, it has a MediaTek Dimensity 800U processor a 6.4 inch display uh, OLED screen, shocking, OLED, this is surprising, uh, 6 or 8 gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage and a 4,310 milliamp power battery. Um, it can only do 50 watt fast charging, this is strange compared to the Chinese variant of the same phone that can do 65 watt fast charging out of the gate. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Oh, and uh, the the and this variant has 64 megapixel main shooter an 8 megapixel ultra wide uh, sensor and as always a 2 megapixel macro sensor because phones better have macro sensors i mean what what is the use of a macro okay make ultra wide makes a hell of a lot of sense given you know the scenarios where we need to take a wider picture than usual but macro i just don't understand i mean let me know obviously i mean tweet back at me on twitter and instagram at say no score mountain 99 what what is the use of the macro sensor? I, I'd love to know. What What do you do with it? What What do you do with a macro sensor? I mean, uh, it's on every other phone. I mean, I mean it's it's surprise. It baffles me. It's it's beyond me. So the Realme X7 has has 128 gigabytes of storage. It's got a mid-range MediaTek chip, only a 60 hertz OLED display. OLED displays are really good. Uh, not gonna lie, uh, you get a really vibrant display. So if you are watching lots of shows and movies or obviously playing games or seeing photos, you see the full color and the full breadth of colors and, you know, it's crispy and rich compared to an LCD display. So I think that's the biggest difference. Uh, but, um, you know, it's only 60 hertz. It's, it's not 120 hertz, which is a problem. But that leads to the X7 Pro, which is more maxed out. It's the more performance heavy. 
of the of the two phones. It has a MediaTek Dimensity 1000 Plus processor that is really really powerful. Uh, I don't have to mention it. You, he, uh, that should be enough to uh, you know to tell you that this is a performance driven phone. You get a 6.55 inch 120 hertz OLED display. Uh, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 120 gigabytes of storage, 4,500 milliamp hour battery, 65 watt fast charging, wired, um, which is interesting. And as for the cameras on the Pro, you get 64 megapixel camera main shooter, which is a Sony IMX686 sensor. I feel like this has been used somewhere previously, so you know what to expect with a 64 megapixel camera. It's a little crispy when you can do pixel binning. Oh well. 8 megapixel ultra-wide sensor, 2 megapixel macro, and 2 megapixel monochrome camera. Uh, so they're trying to make it a bit of a pro by having four cameras, which is interesting. Except that, in reality, in hindsight, the last two sensor, the macro and monochrome sensors, I don't know if they add any value, but having a 65 megapixel camera and ultra-wide lens, uh, yes, a little ultra-wide sensor is a welcome feature on both the X7 and the X7 Pro. Um, that's the interesting thing. That's not what we're here to talk about. Um, both phones can both phones have uh, in-display fingerprint sensor, uh, and both have a 32 megapixel selfie camera because selfies matter. And there's that one time with your friends, and you want to take a really crispy selfie for memories. You know who who doesn't? That makes sense. But it features both phones can support 5G now the mid-band 5G, not the really high end, high frequency 5G that's on the American Verizon network. You know, with that runs at like 20 to 40 gigahertz. Uh, the regular low and mid-band 5G. Not just that, you get dual SIM 5G support. Now in the Indian market, dual SIM is a massive deal. If you know what I mean, I mean think about it. Um, I probably would like to. I'm not like a mid kind of, but but it comes in handy if you think about it. You know, some of your friends have Vodafone or Airtel, and then you probably have Jio, but then you still need to have that what. Uh, Airtel number to get to still talk to your friends and you know the you know the free free minutes and free minute the uh, the on on network calls that you get for free in a package or the data you need a dual sim for that right admit it <laughs> but hey uh, it's lovely that both sims and the realme x7 x7 pro both can run 5g straight out of the gate obviously one has to be on at once uh, but that's lovely because obviously uh, Airtel I think in India right uh, recently Airtel did a test of this 5g network on mid almost mid-band frequency that they want so they did a test in Hyderabad the Indian one not, not the one in Pakistan obviously they did a test on 1.6 gigahertz 5g and they're like it, it, it and 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 they're like it runs well but we need more frequency I believe that's what I've heard and obviously Jio have obviously Reliance Jio obviously have have said that it can already do 5g and they can switch it on from day one because it's Basically, software-driven. It's it's one of those networks that it runs on software. It doesn't have a bunch of uh, black boxes next to a cell tower. It, it has software ready, so it can can tap into a frequency and switch to 5G. So, obviously, uh, now it's lovely that the X7, X7 Pro have 5G. Obviously, in India, 5G services are not available yet. But hey, uh, a whole lot of countries around the world still don't have 5G service. Uh, in India and obviously in Pakistan. In both countries, 5G service is still not available because the government hasn't released the available spectrum. Obviously, it'll be mid-band frequencies, but they'll, they're still not been released to providers to offer 5G services. As I said, uh, obviously, provide. I think I think in Sri Lanka they have 5G service, like per, proper. I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to 
do some research. But until the government's like, okay, you guys can have the mid-band and low-band 5G frequencies and run your network, uh, we won't have it. But hey, uh, until the Spectrum is sold, networks are launched, it's lovely to have 5G available. If you take the phone abroad, you can pop in a foreign SIM card and start using 5G. Uh, in America, Verizon already offers prepaid 5G, so you can try it out if you're going on a U.S. trip. If you go, if you go do a road trip in the U.S., you could try Verizon 5G. I don't know if it'll work on this phone, but hey, uh, this is a welcome feature. And it'll be available in a few years' time, and uh, it's a good investment nonetheless. So this is an interestingly, this is an interesting phone, and it, it is quite a value-driven phone. Um, I think. I mean, it, it's not really. Uh, well, is this really good value for money? If you really love Realme, you probably should go buy this. But honestly, you know, you can do better research on what is the best value in time. You end up buying a Redmi, but oh well. The Realme X7 will be available from around 19,999 Indian rupees for the base spec. And obviously for 2 gigabytes of extra data and uh, 2 gigabytes of extra RAM and double the store and same storage you can pay like $21.99, 21K starting. And the Realme X7 Pro will be available for around 29999 rupees. Both phones are available on Flipkart, not on Amazon. Okay, that's okay, you know. Oh, well. Uh, but the, the X7 will be available on February 12th, whereas the Pro will be available two days early on February 10th. So, honestly, if you if, if it were me, I'd probably the X7 Pro. That looks like a... that looks like worth its budget or its price given you get 65 watt fast charging you get a really crispy high fast display you get you get some good specs for the money so the pro makes sense the x7 well you could there are other better options on the market than this that's for sure i mean uh, and, and you might as well get a good phone under 20,000 uh, which has a snapdragon chip even if it's mid-range equivalent so that makes a ton of sense. So that was the Realme X7. Obviously, other countries, I mean, all my folks in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, uh, in, in Malaysia, you know, in Indonesia, and other countries, you're like, when, when is it coming in my market? Well, you know, we'll have to see. But it's interesting, the X7 has like, X7 phones have already reached outside of China, which is uh, kind of interesting. So uh, the Pro makes a ton of sense, that's for sure. Okay, it's surprising that I was back at it with another phone. This time, it's a successor to their foldable phone. Now, Huawei has announced that they're releasing the Huawei Mate X2 on the, on February the 22nd. So, get it, 2-2-21, get it? <laughs> if they had launched it next year, it would have been 2 2 2 2 2 Oh, well. Oh, well, oh, well. I'm, I'm just jinxing it. Anyways, uh, so Huawei is going to be released, finally dropping the uh, Huawei Mate X2. Another, another new foldable phone from Huawei uh, features... Uh, it features... It, it shows... Okay, it shows the Mate... It's, the poster shows the phone kind of being uh, sort of, uh, you know, unfolding from like a bit like the Galaxy Z Fold 2. So, so that makes a ton of sense. But the interesting part is that the overall display, when folded out, uh, according again, according to reports, uh, would be roughly eight inches diagonally. Okay, eight inches, uh, and you would and um, and there also could be a six point five inch. There will probably be a six point four five inch external display. Why am I getting my numbers wrong? Oh well. Also, you could expect to see a high refresh rate, a ninety hertz refresh rate on the M8 X2. 
Uh, and this is because Huawei has gotten displays from Samsung and BOE Display. Uh, BOE Display is like a Chinese maker, so oh well. Uh, they've also supplied Huawei Pre-LC with foldable displays, so that's interesting. Uh, the Mate X2 uh, will come with a Kirin 9000 chipset, which kind of came in the previous Mate phone, I believe, uh, and can do 66 watt fast charging and has a 4400 mAh battery. We don't know the price, uh, but we'll find out on February 22nd when the phone will be announced, obviously, to the public in China. Uh, if you live there, I mean, well, there are, I mean, there are not many foldable phones out there aside from Samsung's, so this is one to look out for. More interesting than all this, uh, the next story is kind of an interesting twist. Xiaomi uh, has has Xiaomi uh, uh, has essentially stopped users from installing Google Mobile services. Now, if you've ever if you if you if you have a Xiaomi phone or bought a Xiaomi phone and it's not the international version, so if you ever if you went to Gearbest and AliExpress and you bought a Xiaomi phone, a Redmi phone, and it and they tend to offer an international version. The international version tends to have Google Play built straight from day one. It has the ROM for it has the ROM that has Google Play in it, and Google services, and and also there are China only models which don't have any of that. It's completely Chinese. I don't know. It has Baidu as a search engine, so that's that makes sense. Uh, but apparently, Xiaomi has kind of has has, uh, uh, has said that um users won't able uh, me and redmi users cannot uh install google mobile services uh onto their phones they won't able to do it and obviously consequentially anything goes wrong they won't support it so a bit like you know hacking your phone to do it or flashing it so you'll have to do that so that's kind of annoying uh but uh yeah that's uh that's an interesting development to say the least uh now what what should one do uh now, if you want apps that are not Google, you will have to use like a third-party APK source, like Pure APK or APK Mirror. I don't know if it's still around after. I'll have. To, I mean, I think I've used it previous uh, before. You'll have to download, uh, sideload apps by getting files from those sites. That's kind of tricky, frankly. Now, honestly, if you want to get past the hassle, you could flash the phone, and you could flash the phone and and, and sort of have a ROM for an ad install a rom international rom on these phones but obviously if anything goes wrong i'm not responsible and they're ob and show me is obviously not responsible but the easy way out of it, it of it all is to just get an international version which has google play services included again if you are running out to buy and uh, and get a phone from uh, and and have it imported from china and there's like a seller like on aliexpress or gearbest do check if they have an international version of the same exact phone but hopefully it, and also uh, it shouldn't be like any more different than the local version where they have a bigger camera or that they have faster charging. So that could be an interesting uh, situation to say the least. But it's kind of interesting. But as I said, if you want to avoid the hassle, you know what to do. You can you can go out and get a you can go out and get a um, an international version. And they are sold widely on various sites, uh, and you won't have trouble finding them. And at least they'll have Google Play uh, install out of the gate. So that's that's. For sure, and also Xiaomi does release like tons of models uh, that are, that are also released in China globally, so that shouldn't be a problem. Um, if it's a Mi Mix, then well, good luck with that. In Oppo news, um, we got some interesting stuff about Oppo. I was let's just get this first one out of my chest, sort of. Um, the Oppo Find X3 series has been leaked again. Uh, good old Even Blast EV leaks has kind of leaked the whole Oppo Find X3 series. 
all the models sort of so the Find X3 Neo, the X Find X3 Pro, and the Find X3 Lite. And these three models are kind of interesting. Uh, the Neo and the Pro look pretty premium looking, and obviously the Find X3 Lite is kind of okay for the looks of it. Another uh, leak also is the phone, sort of someone using it in their hands, and obviously the Find X, the Oppo Find X3 Pro, it kind of looks like an iPhone 12 still, where the camera cutout kind of like is sunken, sunken design, if you know what I mean. Some say it's a crater, it's sunken, oh well. Um, and it looks nice though, I'm not gonna lie. The Pro, the Find X3 Pro from the front looks really nice. Um, but I can't, still can't get on the camera cutout, which looks a bit like, again, the sides have been sunk in, or, or there's a crater. I kind of like the S21 camera bump on the back. That one is more natural. And also, there's like a sign, like engineering feat in that, in that essentially the camera cut area has metal around it, and only there's glass in the camera cutout, and that makes it much more durable to bumps and cracks. I think that's that's smart engineering from Samsung. That one was really nice. This one would be way more susceptible to cracking. I don't know. I don't know why. But um, yeah, hopefully the cameras in these phones are really worth those ridiculously sunken designs. You know, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, we'll we'll see in the next month or so. That's when the Find X3 series will kind of be shown off, as it was like last year with the Find X2 Pro. You know, and then. It, this one was, is not really news to most, but this is another patent patent that Oppo filed um, with the World Interna Intellectual Property Office, the World IP Office, uh, which show, purportedly shows this pop-up camera design. Now, it's unlike any other pop-up camera design. Now, good old Dutch, Dutch tech blog, Let's Go Digital, kind of you know made a render and showed off what the patent really is. And... If I describe it to you, I'll kind of post a picture on my Twitter at say underscore mount nine nine after I drop this episode, and you can go see for yourself. But uh, the interesting design essentially is the phone is completely bezel-less, and so there's like a little blippy pop-up, you know, if for lack of better words. And essentially, they're like two sensors, essentially glass blocks, and there's like a periscope lens kind of sensor, and the idea is that it has this prism. The, the the glass that you see in the pop-up camera that's like a prism uh, and and it's similar to periscope lens technology except that it's it's it works in a unique way so essentially how it works is and I'll read this to you good big shout out to Android authority and obviously let's go digital for this for these information the patent images reveal the pop-up housing actually hosts two moving prisms, one above each sensor, that are able to point forward or backwards. In other words, you can use the same camera for both selfies and standard shots. Presumably, the photo phone's two sensors would be main and ultrawide sensors. Now, that's nuts, if you know what I mean. Now, Nuts Go Digital have kind of made a good point, and that is that this camera arrangement could help, could help you take 360-degree pictures because uh, because you can rotate if the phone is rotated at least 180 degrees and the camera could be like running in in, in, in parallel and also as I said this looks quite fascinating uh, again Oppo really has innovated in the camera department there is obviously they did the original Fine X which had this 
camera pop-up technology was really good. And the Renault series, which had this fin design, and, 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 and they really innovate. And it shows for itself. But yeah, not just... And the interesting thing is not this is prism, another prism system, but also with dual cameras. So one is regular and one is ultra-wide. So that's kind of fascinating, to say the least. Uh, so, yeah. It's just a patent. It may not even be implemented one day, but they could use it in a future phone. You never know. That's for sure. I mean, so they're really innovating, and I think that's not lovely, to say the least. So in the past couple of weeks, and in the last episode and so, we've been talking about the Apple car, which is a really interesting uh, car, to say the least. Apple getting to electric cars, and I think it's as exciting as Apple potentially entering AR and VR glass, the AR and VR world, in a big way. And the interesting thing is that there's more information that actually had come out since the last episode about the Apple car. So the first bit of scoop is from the Korean news uh, outlet, Donga News, and they reported that that obviously now that it all centers on the fact that Hyundai, which is one of Korea's, it is Korea's big car maker, the big Korean car maker, Hyundai, um, is teaming with Apple and they've kind of cooperate and they have a deal, planning for a deal with Apple to make an electric vehicle in the next couple of years. It'll be out before 2025. And the fact that Apple could use a bit of Hyundai's expertise in technology, I think is cool. But their information, essentially, is that, at, according to them, Apple could essentially be teaming up with Kia to make this happen. Um, so, there are some really specific details. Um, the first bit of information that they wrote is that Kia, uh, Apple is looking to make it, is planning to sign a deal with Kia. Now, if you know Kia, it's a subsidiary of Hyundai Motor Group. Now, obviously, Apple, Kia, Apple and Hyundai teaming up would be a big, massive deal, but maybe Hyundai got a bit nervous, as I previously said in the previous episode, about kind of scared of working with a bigger player like Apple to make a car for them. And so it kind of made it sense to have Kia do it. Uh, you know, Kia cars have CarPlay, and you know what I'm talking about, so it makes sense. So, interestingly... Uh, Apple's planning to broker a deal with Kia to make the Apple car that is essentially worth 4 trillion uh, Korean won. Uh, now, 4 trillion uh, South Korean uh, South Korean won. Let me type this in. Let's see. How much would this be? I think it would be roughly, uh, I think it would be roughly 3 billion. Yeah, it's exactly. It's It's like everything divided by 10 there in Korea. Uh, so the deal is just, so they're planning to broker a deal that's worth five three point five seven billion uh, to make Kia uh, to get Kia to make a Apple car, which is interesting. Uh, I'm I'm sure that and but and the interesting part is Kia is obviously a Hyundai subsidiary, but still it will make the car on behalf of Apple. And essentially, they plan to get the deal done this month or next month, which is interesting. Uh, I'm sure they're still figuring out details. So the plan is that Apple is looking to invest four trillion won in Kia, which is for about three point seven five billion dollars in Kia Motors to help to help Kia make the Apple car itself. And the plan is that Kia will produce for Apple about hundred thousand cars in starting in twenty twenty four, and the plans to go to four hundred thousand vehicles later on. Uh, now, it'll be a big deal if Honda ends up winning the business of Apple, which is important. And Apple does also rely on Korean businesses. Fun fact, Samsung and LG displays and chips are used in Apple devices, which is kind of interesting nonetheless. But here's the more interesting part. Um, 
Now, Apple will work with Kia, but fortunately, Kia has a plant in America. It has a plant in Georgia, uh, I believe, that currently makes the Telltale SUV, which is a really good SUV to start with. And that plant could be repurposed to make the Apple car straight away. Uh, that, so that's kind of interesting. And and according to and obviously Donga reported that uh, Glovis, which essentially is Hyundai's, you know, division, which handles like spare parts and manufacturing, uh, they're basically, uh, which has several subsidiaries in the U.S., will play a significant role in the Apple car business, which means that they will help with shipping the cars, putting them together, bringing parts. I think it's a big deal, uh, nonetheless. Um, so it's kind of a big deal that if Apple does end up brokering a deal, not with Hyundai, but really with Kia, uh, that would be cool. And spoiler alert, I, my, my older sister has a Kia Cerato, so really awesome that uh, a really cool brand is working with Apple. They're good, they make good cars, so um, that's that. But CNBC have, um, have, broke, have broke another interesting story, um, and that is that... Apple's first car will essentially be planned, and I'll code them here. Um, you know, uh, where is it? Where is the information? Um, where is it written? The first Apple cars will not be designed to have a driver, said one source with knowledge of the current plan. These will be autonomous electric vehicles designed to operate without a driver and focused on the last mile. Last mile. Mm, I bet what they're talking. I, I bet what they're what are they talking about? That could mean Apple cars, at least initially, could focus on package food delivery operations, and uh, firms incorporating robo taxis. It's kind of powerful. So, but I don't know. Apple's not that service driven. I keep saying that it, they're not that service driven. They're really more a content business. If Apple's gone to services, it's to kind of help supplement their devices and it's content like Apple TV Plus and Apple Music. So I don't know. I don't think they're gonna offer. A, they're not going to create a Grubhub killer uh, right here. Though, they could offer a car kit, and app devs can essentially tap into that. You never know. Apple could have a, some wackier business plan in the wings that we don't see yet uh, from the looks of it. Now, obviously, they're kind of re reiterating the point that Donga have written that Apple obviously plans to broker a deal with Hyundai, uh, and it's actually closer than you think. And the plan is to assemble Apple's EVs in Kia's American plant in Fest Point, Georgia, which is a really, which is really interesting. As I said, sources familiar with Apple's interest in working with Hyundai say the, the tech giant wants to build the Apple car in North America with an established car automaker willing to allow Apple to control the software and hardware that will go into the vehicle. So this is interesting development. Again, uh, we are coming really quickly to the fact that Apple is going to make a car, which is interesting. Uh, and also, see again, according to CNBC, they made a good point that if um, I mean, and also, as I said, it doesn't make kind of it doesn't make a ton of sense that Apple is looking to enter the EV market. Why should they? They're good at iPhones. Why should they get into cars? Tesla's making cars. Is that enough? Lucid is good. I don't know. Uh, BMW has cars. Porsche. They make good luxury vehicles. Why should Apple make one? According to CNBC, they claim that the overall global again. Uh, Apple has potential to enter into a market that essentially is worth $10 trillion. $10 trillion. And uh, obviously, if Apple has just 2 to 5%, it'd be way bigger than the iPhone. I kind of feel that it could be as bigger than the iPhone. I don't know why. Uh, but it could be as monument. I, I, said that, I think I said in the previous episode, um, and that is that, you know, 
it'll be quite monumental if Apple enters the world of EVs. It'll be just as significant as the first iPhone. The first Apple car will be as significant as the iPhone. Mark my words. There are other Apple devices along the way, Apple TV, Apple Watch, the Apple services like Apple TV Plus and stuff. They were not significant. They were not that big. They were not a monumental leap. They weren't, they weren't world-changing. The Apple car would be world-changing. I, I, I feel skeptical that they could... I, I feel skeptical that Apple could make a, an Apple car, but the more I look at it now, the more I think about it, this makes a ton of sense. This this could happen. I mean, this this could change things. This could change things completely. So... Really exciting times ahead, nonetheless. If you know what I mean. And I kind of wanted to like mention before I kind of move on to our like last kind of topic. So there's kind of been this blow up, the, the drop in audio chats and live podcasts and live audio streams have kind of blow blew up. Uh, audio live streams have like become a thing because we're all stuck at home and you know the pandemic has kind of caused us to not really go out as often as we should. Or interact with people or socialize and so you know apps like clubhouse have blown up i was the first problem with clubhouse is that um it's not on android so i have all i all have android devices i don't have an iphone around me or an ipad or else it would have been on clubhouse already and i've given you my id and we're kind of probably going to have a discussion or something but i did find this interesting app that i wanted to share called stereo that i found on someone's instagram story and i decided to quickly download and sign up and, and join the app and yeah, I mean, uh, and I mean, if you're if you're interested, if you use Stereo, the Stereo app, which is really good, it's just pronounced Stereo. Um, uh, you find me there, follow me there. I'm at Said underscore Mount Nine Nine. Same ID as my Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And I thought I'd probably start doing some things over on Stereo. Obviously, some discussion. Uh, obviously, it's all discussion driven. So uh, probably would probably uh, I'll probably get on it this weekend. Um, and I'll probably share on my Instagram and Twitter and TikTok that I'm on uh, Stereo. Um, they actually, they also like doing a giveaway so that, so if you actually do bring more people to sign up, if you like drive up signups or listens, like more people listen to your stream or downloads, you can literally win money. But apparently that contest is only for the US and UK. So I'm out of luck, no soup for you. So that's kind of annoying, but, uh, oh, well. Not sponsored. They didn't sponsor me. They didn't pay me to do this. I just discovered it organically and decided, oh, well, this looks like interesting. This is growing. Like 15,000, like more and more people are downloading this app. It's becoming a thing. I mean, I just got on the app and they're like at least one live stream of some of some folks talking about something. This has potential to grow. And right now, Clubhouse is not on Android. So this could be the alter proper alternative. So uh, do follow me there um, if you're interested, to say the least. I mean, I might do a stream or two to test out the technology. I really, I really find this fascinating. I might start another show that is on top of whatever I'm doing. That's basically me talk, uh, me discussing stuff and talking to people over on stereo. Um, so follow me there if you can. I mean, no, not sponsored. I promise. And finally, I earlier mentioned about how there's actually a speaker that is really high end, but also where is obviously has one really neat trick under its sleeve and that is essentially is quite sustainable you know it's 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 it might be long might last longer than some smart home speakers or wireless speakers that are, are there bluetooth speakers of its kind 
Bang & Olufsen, really high-end brand, a really expensive audio brand, and they're known for their headphones, for their audio gear, audio and visual gear that is really, really high-end, and it's really fancy-schmancy. And they released a brand new product, now a new home spe- a new wireless home speaker, the Biosound Level. It's a really interesting product. It's like one of their, it, essentially, it is a portable speaker, a portable kind of stereo speaker, uh, like one of their regular, and essentially is a portable version. It's like essentially a portable version of one of their bigger and more fancier wooden kind of finish speakers, which is interesting. Um, you know, it, it looks really nice and it blends in with whatever environment you put it in. So it has this, so firstly, it has this wooden finish. I'll probably add a bit of uh, fancy schmancy speak here. The speaker covers are available in a natural oak veneer, which has been treated to highlight the natural grains and texture of the wood, reminiscent of luxury Scandinavian furniture, and a seamless knitted dark gray cavarat quadrat uh, textile that makes Bio's sound level inviting to touch and visually appealing from any angle, which is kind of insane. But this speaker is IP54. Splat dust and splash water resistant, which is interesting. And essentially, the design is this front grill that has like your speakers and obviously the little module that makes it wireless. And then on the side is this kind of black strip that has uh, that has all your touch, uh, has your buttons and controls, and you can you know you can you can press them. And it's really nicely made. It's it's quite they've put some attention to it. Obviously, it's a very it's a premium speaker, so they've thought really heavily about the how it feels and how it touches and you know they've done their job here it's really good and it's probably better than most of the wireless speakers if you know what i mean it looks really nice and really simple um now the wireless part of the bio sound level is is that it, it has it has bluetooth it better have bluetooth it so i did check the specs kick okay, bit of an update it has uh, it has bluetooth 5.0 wi-fi all the way to wi-fi ac you can do air apple airplay 2 Chromecast capability and Spotify Connect, which I think is really lovely for a really expensive wireless speaker. It's got to do everything, and you could uh, and, and the uh, and the Bio Sound level can also do Google Assistant built in, so you can press a button and do Google Assistant right away. So that's kind of lovely. On top of that, you it will take in USB C. It it has USB C port, that uh, Ethernet and a line in jack, and a really interesting magnetic button or thing you could say you pop it in and it would so Bang & Olufsen have created this unique charging solution but towards the back of the speaker there is a there's a little magnetic port and you pop it in to charge the speaker or plug it into power so you can run it off off the uh, off mains and that's kind of interesting um, which is really cool and also more more than cool is that the magnetic plug I think is like a USB-C cable so that's really cool. Uh, so it has this magnetic plug, which is really cool. Uh, and you can, you can, and the best part about the speaker is you could keep it on on a. You can keep it facing down or facing upwards, or click it onto a wall with a mount that actually costs that comes separately. That's actually a hundred euro a, a attachment, uh, and you can place on the wall. And it actually does look like one of Bagnolfus's older speakers, to say the least. Uh, so I already mentioned this is a full-blown wireless speaker. It can do Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, AirPlay, all that good stuff, all the wireless uh, goodies that are out there. 
It has 105 watts of overall power, so the speakers can push to 105 watts of overall power together. It has a five driver setup, which has two four inch roofers, two at uh, one two inch full full range driver, and two 0.8 inch tweeters with. And, in, and includes low distortion amplifiers. And overall, you get 79 decibels of bass capacity, uh, capability, you could say, and 96 decibels of mid-range loudness. Overall, the speaker can run for 16 hours on a battery, and you can obviously plug it into power to run it non-stop, which is really, really cool. But that's not the interesting part, though, the Bang & Olufsen Biosounds level. This product, again, given how smart wireless speakers are going, there's sort of these assembled pieces, these are assembled computers, and if the computer slows down, then it's, they're dead on arrival. This actually happened with Sonos. Sonos, like, stopped supporting products, supporting older speakers, and so that kind of, and they couldn't, you know, connect within people. It caused real outrage, and then Sonos, like, reverberate, uh, reversed its course, and then they introduced, like, an app, uh, like, that can run sort of essentially the first generation of speakers only, and so you can still connect and, like, try and push your music to it. And then they have like a newer app that, oh well, that, that causes real problems. So the BO sound level essentially is built for sustainability, that it will be long lasting and will withstand the test of time. It features a replaceable streaming module, essentially a chip that does all the wireless connectivity, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And, so it, and, and you can change it out in the future. Apparently, this module has been front-loaded with enough processing power and connectivity technology to receive new performance updates and features for many years to come. But obviously, if... Uh, if if you know standards change or there's a new streaming technology that's out there to blast music wirelessly, you can change out the chip and add a new one. And Magnum Office will obviously support it in their lifetime warranty, hopefully, which is interesting. And uh, they will offer exchangeable front covers, so you can change out the front cover and make it more nice looking. And here's the best part: the battery is interchangeable. This is kind of lovely. That that and. Now, obviously, you're wondering how much the speaker costs. It's not available. You can go out and buy it on their site, and it costs uh, 1,250 uh, 1, euros, $1,500, or uh, 1,100 pounds British, 1,100 quid for the Bio, Bio Sound level. This speaker, the level is amazing, honestly. If you think about it, they've not only managed to make a really good-looking good home wireless speaker, but also have managed to make it sustainable and long-lasting because e-waste is a thing. And speakers creating waste in people's homes if they start working or something goes off or Wi-Fi is no longer supported or Wi-Fi 12 has come out and the speaker doesn't work anymore. Uh, here, at least you're paying a lot of money and you're guaranteed that you can switch, switch out the faceplate, which is lovely, but you can change out the battery and you can change out the network chip that essentially connects the speaker to, to your phone and computer and God knows what. But I think it's more amazing that they figured the sustainability problem of these speakers and they've created a more, and created a more greener speaker, like it will last a long time and you can change things out. And it's kind of important because in Denmark, there's a big issue about environment, climate change and waste and you know sustainability and I think Bang & Olufsen wants to be on the safe side, on the right side of history and sort of create a product that actually lasts a long time and still does what it does on the tin, which is a wireless speaker. So good on them. Uh, this is a good product and it really is worth a lot of money. And the thing is, Bang & Olufsen products last a very long time. They're like luxury cars. They last 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And if something does go off or fall off, you gotta be able to change it out and still make it functioning. So that's kind of important, to say the least. So good on them. Fancy but sustainable. That's that's what we're looking for, you know. 
What do you think of everything you've heard uh, so far today? Let me know on Twitter and Instagram and probably TikTok at Sayed underscore Mon99. Follow me there if you can. And obviously follow me there on, on Stereo, which is a new app. Uh, again, I'm going to try out this weekend and let you know in the next episode how it went. Uh, it looks interesting. But yeah, um, don't forget to share the show with, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family. Uh, you know what to do. You just click the link and share it to your friends and family. And um, yeah, until next week, it's your boy Malin signing out. Peace. Take care. Have a great day. And I'll see you again next week with another episode of Malin's Gadget Talk. All right? Peace. Ciao. Thanks for listening.